Welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. For more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our companion website, scriptsandscribes.com. But first, we have on the show a film TV exec who I first met when we both worked at CAA, but she has since moved into the development world, working at Dimension, Revolution, and most recently as the development director of development at Storyline Pictures, and now is the head of development of True Pictures, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, fellow dog lover, Miss Donye Rockland. How are you today, Donye? I'm good, Kevin. Thank you so much for your introduction. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we finally were able to catch up and have you on the show. Yes, I'm very excited to, to be talking with you. Um, I guess first, we always like to start off with your background. When we first met, we were both working at CAA. Uh, you were working for Richard Lovett at the time. And you've since gone on to work in development for various companies. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you first got inspired to work in Hollywood and how that sort of led to your current position? Um, well, I think I came out of my mother's womb uh, <laughs> wanting to be in movies. No, I'm not kidding. I had, I had no other. I think it was I wanted to be a dancing, singing, directing, writing, um, acting veterinarian. Um, oh, veterinarian was, on the side. I got you. Yeah. So, so no, um, I love movies from the very beginning. Um, and that was all I've ever, I ever wanted to do. So I was always in pursuit of that. Um, went to USC, um, did internships at USC, um, worked for Lawrence Mark Productions, and then um, had the opportunity in my senior year to work part-time at CAA. Mm-hmm. Um, and convinced my parents that I could do my senior year of college as well as work at CAA. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, fell in, fell in love with what the, you know, I feel like when you work at an agency, and I know this is something that you've experienced too, mm-hmm. it's kind of like going to um, film graduate school, even more so than going to USC or NYU, in the sense of that an agency gives you an overview of what, what the industry is. Um, and from there, I stayed there for, you know, I worked for, uh, Manny Nini as an international packager and then, um, was toying with the idea of being, um, a representative, um, as, you know, as you know, that the agencies offer such great things, you know, you read scripts, they represent writers, directors, actors, and, um, and they package, they package movies pretty much. And, and that was my first window into like, oh my God, you can do this. Um, and had the opportunity to work for Richard, um, which was, you know, definitely the graduate school of film industry, um, learning from somebody like him. What I realized was, um, to me, being an agent is, and I, I use these analogies um, because I think they, they, do, they do work, they do work, but being an agent is um, you date a lot of people and you have a lot of relationships. And, um, for me, I'm much more of a monogamous person. And what I found at the agency was that if you felt passionate about a project and you put it together and you got it set up, you were done. And then you were maybe invited to the premiere, mm-hmm. but you didn't get to see it go through its fruition. You didn't get to work on the characters. You didn't get to develop the story. Um, and I found that that was the thing that was the most compelling to me. I'm a storyteller. Um, I love reading. Um, and, and I made the transition from working at the agency to going into development. Um, because for me, it was much more about being married to something. And as we all know that, you know, getting your projects set up, you know, find, from finding a representation to finding a studio that's going to make it or somebody who's going to make it, it's a long process. Um, and I found for what type of person I was, 
um, fighting for things, being passionate about things, really believing in projects and um, believing in that 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 script or that that property should be made into a movie um, was something that I thought was was suited for me. Um, so you know, really being passionate and caring about things and trying to make them become real and become a movie that you sit in a theater and watch. Right. So my journey has been working at studios to working with producers um, and working with great writers to get movies made. Now, for, for some of our listeners who might not be as uh, experienced, um, we get this asked a lot. Can you give, from your, from your perspective, having worked at so many different companies and from so many different angles, can you give a brief overview of the development process? A writer writes a script, gives it to his or her agent, you know, goes out. What happens next? Well, there's, I mean, there's all different, there's all different ways that, that, that the process goes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not so much as it used to be years and years ago, and I think it's changing a little bit, but there's the spec market. Right. Um, so that's when, if you're represented by a manager, an agent, they, they say, you know, right on spec, meaning you're, you're writing not to be paid. Um, sometimes producers get attached, sometimes they don't. Um, and what ends up happening there is that you write the spec and then the, the agent goes out wide with it. Um, that's one, that's one process. Mm -hmm. There are times when, um, in my development process where I've read a sample. Um, so sometimes specs become samples, sometimes specs sell, sometimes they're just a a wonderful way for the the community to be be educated by a new voice. Mm -hmm. Um, and what ends up happening there is if I've read something that I really like, then I will sit down with the writer and either if I have open writing assignments, if I have ideas that um, fit with the company. So when I was working at Dimension, you know, Dimension had a specific mandate. Dimension made um, horror films and um, comedies. So I would look for things within that, in that area. You know, storyline was very different. Storyline, um, we were, were, we were eclectic, but really we focused on, you know, there, there's a musical aspect um, and, you know, elevated, elevated dramas um, and, and, more of like romantic comedies and things like that. So it, the, the, the development process for me is different at each place, but you either sit down with the writer um, and put them on assignments that you have or collaborate together and have them, you know, write something either for, you know, either for spec or to be paid. Um, but there's all different, you know, there's all different avenues of it. And, and each company sometimes is different. You know, like a, when working for a producer, you're looking to, create material to go to studios to sell. Working at a studio, I was going through material that was coming in from, from agencies because they wanted to get it set up at a studio or going through material that was coming in with producers attached because they wanted to get it set up at a studio as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, that absolutely. A lot of information. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but a lot of listeners ask about the development process. And like you said, there's not one way to get developed. And as well as the spec market is not necessarily what newer writers think it is. Um, they think they write a script, you sell it, that's how the business works. And as you mentioned, it's that's a much, especially after the strike, the uh, 0708 WGA strike, especially after that, it's that's a much smaller portion of the market than it used to be. Uh, and development through using the spec as a writing sample and developing a project with executives or producers is far more common than selling spec. Definitely, but I, I mean, I think the market's changing. I mean, there has been, you know, uh, there has been some spec, spec sales this past, you know, these past couple of months. It's not as, um, 
as much as it used to be that there's not as you know but it's still it's still something but it's still a good it's still a good exercise in um in getting a writer uh more exposure sure. um so it's 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 still an, an an encouraged thing i think sometimes what happens with the spec the writing writing specs is that they're they're written to a specific mandate for what maybe studios are looking for mm-hmm. so um it's not like writing from your heart. I feel like sometimes the people that get on the blacklist are they're literally writing scripts that they've always wanted to write um, to express their, you know, their true talents. Right. You mean as opposed and, to writing what they think the next big trend will be or following the trends that have come. I, we were talking earlier about zombies, for example. Right. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, there's there. You know, I had a conversation with um, with the writers today. Um, the company that I'm working at now, we, you know, we're, we're not, we're not, in comp- we're not competitive with studios. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to go after, you know, what will be the next Marvel movie, you know, like what, what's the next, the next big thing, what's the next, you know, uh, comic book or, or graphic novel. Um, and we, you know, we're encouraging of the, of the author, the writer to write what they, you know, what is their heart's desire because you, you get the best product for that. So I guess I, I, I encourage I encourage writing to get jobs, of course, like that's the point of it. You want to work on movies and, and that makes sense. But I think also for maybe some of the younger writers and even some of the more seasoned ones who have been pigeonholed as, you know, they only write horror or they only write action. Um, I come from a belief of, and I think it's because I have a literature ba- background, um, that if you, if you write, that means you like to tell stories. It means like you, you want to tell stories about people, about life experiences, um, and I don't think that's genre specific. Um, you know, you look at Stephen King, and Stephen King writes on many, you know, many, le- you know, many different genres. Mm-hmm. He's known for one, but he's written other things that are, you know, he's he's about character. Absolutely. And speaking of, of True Pictures, what is the mandate over at, at True? What what are you guys looking for? What uh, what's on your slate? Um, well, we we're brand new, so we 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 are just in the early development process. So giving um, some background to the the listeners that um, have questions about development process, the way that um, True Pictures is doing it is we are creating our own IP. Um, so we're just coming up with some concepts that we think are sticky and um, and are meaningful and have the potential to be good movies. Um, and our mandate, uh, it's pretty specific. Uh, we are looking for, um, and I use the word meaningful and it's going to come, you know, it's, 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 not meaningful, like, um, you know, like something that's going to, you know, that's heartfelt or, or, but it's meaningful in the sense of how it, how it makes us look at the world and how we see things um, differently. Um, I can give you an example of three movies that are types of movies that we would, um, we would make and the reason we would make them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they are, and they're, they're not genre specific, but they're Groundhog Day, um, Matrix, and Limitless. Um, and these are three very different movies, but I can give you what makes them similar to us and what we're looking to pursue for our slate and the type of movies that we want to make. Um, well, with Groundhog Day, um, what we, what is really meaningful about that is that obviously it's a really funny movie and one of Bill Murray's greats, but it's the time loop. And so if you saw Source Code or Edge of Tomorrow, the time loop is um, a story passageway or a trope that can be used that's not genre specific. What we like about um, what that type of um, 
story tool does is you literally see a character. So, you know, Bill Murray starts off in, in Groundhog Day and he's awful um, and he's mean and he's unhappy. Um, and you, because of the story tool, you see him go through obviously the same day, you know, evidently the same day over and over and over again, but you see him at first having fun with it and being reckless. And then you see him getting really depressed. And then you see him, you know, taking his own life again and again, and then finding his way through that, um, to find meaning in what was, what's going on, to appreciate the town that he's living in, to learn things, to try to, you know, really know Andy McDowell. And he ends up falling, really falling in love with her. And he, he comes out of this type of story tool, a completely transformed and changed um, and and happy and kind of reborn person, and he's set free to live a new life or, you know, or a better life. Um, so to us, that's such an interesting way to have a character go through something and really, really change in an effective man- manner. So that's a, that's a comedy, um, but to us, it's like a fantastical comedy with, with a great meaning to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we like the movie The Matrix. Our company can only make movies from uh, 30 to 50, so that's out of our budget range. But we like what The Matrix did at the time it came out. Now, if you remember, that was, it was about 15 years ago, um, and that was right when technology was not what it is today, where we all live on our iPhones and don't look up and you know live. I, I, if you walk around, you probably can't even see a payphone anymore. I haven't. I, I work in Santa Monica, and I haven't. And I walk around, I literally have not seen one. So that that movie is actually dated in that sense because he wouldn't be able to <laughs> contact because there's no there's no payphone. But what that movie did at that time, 15 years ago, was really look at the advancement of technology and um, you know. We're, look where we are now and look where we were then. So it really was like, what if that big question of, you know, what if we really were plugged into some system and we were, you know, and we were part of the technology. Um, what we also like about it is not that Keanu Reeves characters, like, you know, the underdog or anything like that. Um, he, what, what is really interesting and appealing about that character was that he was just, the, he was just nondescript. You know, it wasn't a loser, just uh, no one. And because of, you know, because of this, you know, he, he gets chosen. And he gets chosen and he, and he learns that he has capabilities that he doesn't know that he has. And he is, you know, he becomes, he believes in himself and becomes something more and can save himself and save, you know, save us in society. Um, so that kind of what if and that kind of grounded sci-fi um is something that is really appealing to us and, and what we're looking to be to be doing kind of turning, looking at the world as we're living in now and just giving it a, a kind of updated twist of what the world could be like with all these advancements that are happening so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and limitless is another movie that we, you know, that we love. And the reason we like that is because, you know, what if there was this pill, this pill that would help you access the 10% of the brain that you're not using and what would you do with that? And who would you become? And as you see, Bradley Cooper goes through, you know, many different places till he comes out trying to do for the, you know, for for the better. And goes into politics to to to, to fight the man. Um, but what also, you know, it's it's these passageways. So it's the time loop with the Matrix. It's kind of like, you know, being plugged into the system and being unplugged from the system. That kind of technology and the limitless is this pill. And each of those things are, are, are not are, are not genre specific. You could take the limitless pill and make it a Kevin Hart comedy, or or make it a horror film. Right. Um, so for us, it's 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 a a big big idea concept 
um, that, you know, where you see a character go through uh, a journey and come out um, better in the end or learn something. There are also very unique stories in that, like with Groundhog Day or The Matrix, you don't see people don't try to or they can't really. It's hard, difficult to copy what is essentially it. You I mean you can have Matrix type movies in terms of the setting or the genre, but what essentially what makes Matrix the Matrix, you you can't really copy without ma- being too derivative because it's so unique. And I think that that's kind of cool that you pick movies again like Groundhog Day. Like you don't see a bunch of Groundhog Day esque comedies. Well, no, and I think that's why they, I think that's why they have um, they're kind of timeless mm-hmm. and they they resonate because. Um, they're, you know, they are so very unique. And, 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 and again, I think those, you know, Matrix was, you know, was in turnaround for a while. Um, these are movies that were, are hard to get made um, because they're, you know, they're, they are different. Like, and you're saying they are unique. Um, and we are looking for the, for those unique stories that um, end up being the ones that you walk away and you're like, wow, that was really good. I want to watch that again. Um, and, you know, we, we love Big, you know, Big's a movie that, you know, is, right. that still you watch it and it's still a very, you know, very meaningful and funny and heartfelt movie um, of, a, you know, of a guy that goes, you know, he literally is a child in his adult body. So, so I guess there's a little bit of a, a fantastical, mythical element to what we're looking for as well. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you say you're developing IPs, now, is it the kind of thing that you're working on that in-house or you're looking through material for new oh, IPs? We're, we're, we're doing in-house and we're looking for material. Oh, cool. Um, because we're specific in, you know, as I said, I gave you a couple of types of movies that we like. Mm-hmm. We also, um, again, it's like grounded sci-fi. So there's, you know, time travel and multiverses and... Um, past lives and alternate re- realities. So, you know, we like sliding doors, um, source code, uh, which is the time loop, but, um, those types, you know, th- those type of, those type of movies. Right. Now, in terms of your own personal taste, what type of material do you like? I mean, what sort of, st- I, I love this. I love this question because like, you know, when you, <laughs> when you go through working in movies, people are like, you need to be specifically like, what types of movies do you like? <laughs> um, I like movies, um, and and I've had the great pleasure of in in my you know in my trying to make it in the movie business at, to work at all different types of companies. So I am a horror fan. I like dramas. Um, I worked at a company where we made musicals. Um, it's not specific to me that what the what the 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 genre is. To me, it's is what's a really good story. What's What's going to move me? Who's a character that I want to follow? Um, you know, and, and I, you know, I love, I love zombie movies. I thought, you know, um, I really liked World War Z. Um, but I, you know, it's, it, it's all different for me. I, I just want what is a, a great story, right. you know, and I know, and I know that's, that's me personally. That's when you, when people say like, you know, what type of movies do I want to be making? You know, obviously I want to make good ones. Um, but I, I really do want the ones that, that, um, that touch you. And I, I heard, um, wonderful producer speak, um, Lindsay Duran, and she does a wonderful, wonderful talk about movies. Um, and it really resonated with me 
and the sense of the things that I respond to, I respond to being human. And, and every type of movie, regardless if it's an action film or, you know, it is 12 Years a Slave, it's the humanity that comes out of it. And, and she said that what she, what she went to some psychology conference and what she found, what the psychologist had told her is like, as human beings, we respond to resilience and um, respond to connection. So, um, you know, even if you watch, a, you know, you watch an action movie, at the end of the action movie, there's something at the end that happens where the hero comes out and is either hugging a family member or is, 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 is shaking hands with a friend. It's, there, it's the human connection of it to me. So for me, that's what I love about movies is that it's the way that we all communicate with each other in such an, a, a, in a really special emotional way. Like you sit, in, when we don't do it anymore, I wish it would be more, but we sit in the theater all together, people who normally wouldn't get along, you know, if, if given talking about politics or religion, but we sit and we'll watch a movie together and go through these, you know, these emotions. Even if it's a horror film, you feel fear. That's why um, horror films do so well with teenagers. It's because it's those like first moments of feeling of like, oh my God, you know, like that, like intensity and, and so... There's my answer. It's the worst answer ever. I can I can also cannot tell you what my favorite I can't tell you what my favorite movie is either. Well, that's pretty my much next whatever question. I, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's pretty much whatever the it's pretty much whatever the last movie I saw was. I'll be like, that's my favorite. Um, um well, what's the so, first movie you ever saw then? Was the first movie I ever saw that you remember? That you said? Okay. Yeah, the first Singing in the Rain. Okay. And, and, and that's about the movie industry. And that literally um, was, I, I remember ex- exactly, I do really believe I came out of the womb wanting to, be, to work in movies. My mom was pretty much like, that's all I talked about, even though I didn't know what they were. But Sing in the Rain was like when I was able to actually articulate true words to my mother. And I said to her, I want to do exactly what they're doing. And she's like, what is that? I'm like, all of that. Because it's a whole movie. It's a movie about the movie industry, you know? And it has so, singing and dancing and Gene Kelly. It has singing and dancing. Great songs. Come on, sing in the rain. Um, no, but I, mean, um, I agree with you. It's it's about that shared experience. Um, and, and that's that's a key. And, and just talking about even action films, uh, like Die Hard, one of the greatest action films ever. Everyone definitely. Can relate, everyone can relate to the, and it's not because of the big explosions or whatever, but it's because that, you know, we all relate to John McClane. We feel for John McClane when he's walking on that glass at his bare feet. You can, you know, everyone cringes. He's also trying to connect with his wife, you sure. know, like they, they, she's, she's high and powerful. So there's, you know, he's trying to protect her. It's, so there's this whole like human side to him. And I'm forgetting the name of the, you know, but the police officer who's getting his chance. Oh yeah. You know, like there's, there's all of these, like, you know, this reality and, and, and great relationships and, and, and moments on top of that, you know, they have to say, you know, there's terrorists and right. Alan Rickman. Right. <laughs> right. Cause you have to, so I guess I, those action junkies too. Yes. Well, but, but the action junkie, wants the 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 you know the emotional as well they want to feel sure. connected even if you look at even if you look at taken you know she's going to do whatever it takes and it, it's still it's still uh, the story of, of people right. um, um i wanted to dive into a little bit more about development since you that is your uh current uh assignment uh current position and expertise yes. um now again we have a lot of seasoned screenwriters who listen to the podcast, but we also have a lot of newer screenwriters. 
And for those that have never been in a pitch meeting, um, can you maybe detail a little bit what goes on for them? And specifically what, I mean, again, as the ex exec, what are your expectations from writers when you sit down in a pitch meeting? I would like the story to be as worked out as possible. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's not like in screenplay form. It doesn't have to be a two-hour, you know, reenactment of what you plan on writing or have written. Um, but it should be, you know, it should have the beginning, middle, and end. The characters, where you see the character's journey going through. Um, I, people's attention spans don't last long. Um, so I always suggest like 20 if it's, if it is a very epic or, or very, um, detailed type of story that you need more time than a half hour. Um, I believe in, you rehearse it, know it, um, be passionate about it. Uh, if you're not a great public speaker, learn how to do that. Um, take an improv class, something. So, you know, because you have a short period of time to get the people in the room interested in your idea. And it's unfortunate, but it's, uh, it's part of the, part of the, you know, the, the system. Um, you have to sell yourself, mm -hmm. you, you know, you have to sell your idea and um, a, a presentation does work. Uh, visuals are always helpful. Um, giving a sense of who you think the characters are, you know, really coming in and knowing your material, knowing the story that you want to tell and convincing the people in the room that you're the person who can do it. And, um, and again, I think it's passionate and being very prepared and very rehearsed. Now, do you have any, without naming names, have any specific uh, stories of pitches that went wrong? What, and, and maybe you could uh, detail why they went wrong. When I was working at, I'm not going to say what company, but there was a television idea that I was going out with that everybody loved the idea, but you pitch television, you know, that's what you, you know, that's what you do. And then they say, oh, we like it. Okay, go write it on, you know, go write the, the pilot. Um, and as I was saying, the rehearsing or taking an improv class or doing something um, that if you are not a good public speaker, um, you should do the person was a right was one of those um, introvert writers, which mm. is great, but you still, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be Vince Vaughn selling something, but you need to have um, at least a, a, some strength behind what you're saying, because again, it's, you're selling your idea. And if you're not, passionate you know, about it, it, it's, it's, if you're not passionate and, and, and you know, then you're going to, it's, it's, you're going to lose the audience. Now, if you're a person who does not like to do pitches, then, then you needed to communicate that with your, your manager and your agent and say, you know what, I'm much better at writing up a treatment and having them read the treatment and then coming in and kind of talking about the treatment um, if you don't want to do a verbal, a verbal pitch. And some people respond to that. You know, sometimes I'm, I'd rather read something, if, you know, than have the person go through, go through it. So it's, it's, it's something that you need to discuss with your representation. Um, but I do regardless regardless of anything, if you are, if you do not, if you're not a sociable person and you like to stay at home and write, which is awesome, people should, you, you should take a, some type of class because part of your job is going in and taking general meetings and meeting people. And not that people, people judge on, on the talent uh, on the page, but it also, you know, it's a social, it's a social type of job. You're a writer looking to be either get assignments or to work with producers. Now, 
being an exec, but also having worked on the representation side, how important is networking for screenwriters? And in what sense? Amongst other screenwriters? Or you no, mean... no, no. In, in terms of in the industry in general, getting to know um, the various players that be. At the agencies? Um, I think first off, you should just be writing. <laughs> that should be the, that should be the, what, what a writer should be doing. I don't think it, it, it doesn't hurt to, to be social, but I think that a lot of the times is, is, you know, working with the, you know, the writers that you, you have for your listeners, um, they get discovered because of the work that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they're entering contests or, or so on and so forth. But I think, I think the, the people to be social with is other writers. Mm-hmm. That's yep. my suggestion. Like, it's find a mentor that you like, okay. you know, work with people who are, you know, meet people who are doing what you're doing because you never know. Some of your friends might end up hitting it big as well, you know, and they might write with you or they might have a relationship with their representation and introduce you much more than and writers, you know, cold calling agents or managers or things like that. I think that the writing community is, you know, it should be supportive and, 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 work together. So I would, I would look for um, like-minded writers as well. Good advice. Um, and I wanted to touch base on something as well, because we, we do have a number of listeners who are not in the U.S., specifically not even in L.A., but not in the U.S. even. But assuming a writer is um, out of Los Angeles, either in the U.S. or outside of even, how does that affect, like, for example, if you get a script from an agent or a manager and the writer is not necessarily in Los Angeles, would you wait to meet them, like schedule a meeting with them when they're in town? Or would you, is that something you may consider taking a meeting over Skype or or a conference call or something like that? The conference, thank God for today's technology. Um, You know, we, there was a writer that he doesn't, he's a wonderful writer. He doesn't live in Los Angeles. He lives in Rhode Island. Good for him. You know, why the hell would you want to live here if you don't have to? <laughs> Agree. I mean, I, pers- I personally like it, but, you know, for for each of their own. Um, and we, he wasn't going to be in town for a little while. And we were like, it's fine. We'll just have a conference call with him. We know he's talented. We'll just, you know, talk to him over the phone. So we will do that. Um, I've had um, Skype calls with people in London. Um, so where somebody is located, you know, doesn't affect the, the process. The only time that there, you know, there might be, you would want them to fly in because you'd want to meet them before, you know, before starting on the project or something like that. So you have a face to face. But it's not it's not a big deal anymore with the way that technology works. Great. Good to know. Um, and then now we've got some listener questions that I wanted to throw your way that people have specifically sent to us. Let's see. The first being, how much do you consider budget when reading a script? Well, because I'm so specific in what my budget is, mm-hmm. I do consider it. So I'm 30 to 50. So I have to, if it, if it has action elements, it only can have you know about like eight to ten moments in the in, in the script because that's what I can afford. You know, so it, 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 for me, it plays a role because I'm I have a limit of what type of movies we can make. But for other for uh, for studios, not so much because they can do bigger budget things. Um, right. And then, in, and in the sense of for other places, if they're, uh, you know, if, if it's a Jason Bloom or, you know, they're, or a, a genre horror house, well, they're, you know, they're not going to do something for, you know, necessarily, Jason might, but they, they, they wouldn't do something for like 80. They're going to stick within the, you know, and, and, and to lower budget. So 
depending on what you're writing, I think, I've, honestly, I think a writer should definitely put into consideration and have some education about how movies are made when they're writing to know how much action should be on the, um, you know, be in the script or, or whatnot. I mean, that's, there, there is a little bit of, of having that background and knowledge that would make their script stronger um, for, to sell or get set up. Right. Now, here's another one, sort of a long, longer question, but I'm going to read it. Uh, I would like to know the best ways to approach production companies with a film project. I recently completed a script that I have developed with a director, and we have already had it budgeted and created a lookbook for the film. We have tried many different tactics to get meetings with production companies, but we don't have managers or agents. And without a solid referral, it seems incredibly hard to get their attention. I'm specifically referring to non-studio pictures under the $2 million range. Basically, what kinds of projects are they looking for and what would impress them and give them confidence beyond a great script? I know they will probably say win the nickel, but any practical advice besides the obvious would be great. So I guess the question is just asking what would impress a production company or what would get them the necessary attention at a production company with their Well, it, 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 this is where, you know, and this is where it all becomes difficult because mm-hmm. they have something that they, you know, that they believe in. Um, but I can't accept unsolicited material. So, you know, you, if you're going to, if you're going to go straight to the production company, that's really hard. Um, and this is where representation does play a, a little bit of a role in, in it. So because they have something that they feel is packaged, you know, there's a, if there's a screenplay and a director, um, it is maybe, you know, going to, to some of the agencies and saying we have a packaged project and, you know, I don't suggest going to the head of the agency, but there's all these young, you know, there's young new agents out there. There's young managers out there that are, you know, are looking for entrepreneurial people. So if if this is, you know, a, a team that, has a director and a writer and a vision for the movie, they could get representation, not so much for the writer and the director as for the project who would then help them go to the certain, you know, certain producers that could be interested in, or, you know, the small budget studio, you know, small budget studios that can make it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's very difficult, you know, even in the experiences that I've had working with producers for a, a property with people attached and just to, to kind of cold come in, does that make sense? Um, there, there, you do need to find because um, you also want it to be taken seriously and not dismissed. So, having as much support or finding someone, a manager, it doesn't necessarily have to be an agent. It could be a manager um, who will either you know can come out as a producer and help and 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 introduce you to the right people. Yeah. But also, I, I don't want to be discouraging in that sense either, but there are so many, you know, there are so many different things to do now, too. If they did, like, a short, um, you know, really use what's what's out there today with all, you know, with YouTube, with everything. If they can make a short or they can make, like, a, a, a little, like, a trailer, that can be helpful as well. You know, that put, that can put them on the map. Many, you know, writers and directors are being signed off of whatever has become, you know, a viral hit. Right. Absolutely. There's no. Kickstarter. There's, there's, you know, so don't don't feel this limited in that. If you have the resources, make your movies. There are so many different resources out there that weren't there, and and I mean production itself. I mean shooting things back in the day when when I was in film school, you had film, and then you had like really low end beta cam video, and it was a pain in the ass. Uh, now, I mean, everyone you can you have a, a MacBook and you have uh, a DSLR camera, 
you know, both affordable and you can shoot really professional looking stuff. So um, yeah, and and I I really suggest that. Like you know, I had somebody ask me, you know, should they go to film school? And I was like, why? Like. <laughs> Why you know you can make movies now, like really make movies, and you have a way to you know not to distribute them, but you have a way for them to be seen. Absolutely, like they really can, and they're you know, and I know agents and managers who are going on you know going on and looking for things that are getting tons of hits and going and signing these people. So you know, it, 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 there's a real opportunity to be very very entrepreneurial and really create you know your own brand without even being represented yet. Yeah. This one, I, I think you've already answered it, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, this is a question that another listener had sent in. I know, I'd like to know how you go about finding scripts besides agents, managers, and producers. In other words, you as a, an executive, how you... As, as I go about finding scripts? Right. Um, how scripts end up on your desk? Well, again, I, it's very difficult to accept unsolicited material, Um but I, you know, I'll, I respond to what's happening at the, you know, if there's what the agents do. So I will go to the, go and read whoever is winning the awards at certain places. Um, I have gone to, you know, certain film school, you know, the screening departments at film schools. But again, it's, you know, I get so much material submitted into me that I'm not always on the lookout for things that are outside, that are off the beaten path. The things that I'm looking for that are off the beaten path are much more books. Um, short stories that can be adapted or articles or things like that. That's where a little bit of my energy goes because I, 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 I'm part of my job is submissions that are coming in from representation. Mm -hmm. um, now, this is a fun question somebody asked. In a theoretical universe, what would it take for you to spend $6 million on a spec script? Um, and, you know, let's assume that you're not in the 30 to $50 million range because obviously spending six on a... It would be... Yeah, it's possible. Um, but in the theoretical universe, assuming you were the head of a studio, what would it take for you to spend $6 million on a spec script? Oh, if it was um, something I haven't seen before that had, um, you know, potential for, you know, today's day and age has changed where we don't really have, like, you know, a, a movie that one movie star can be in. Um, people can't really carry, we don't have movie stars that can carry a movie. But it would be something that I've never seen before that has great characters, large characters for an ensemble cast of, you know, big movie stars and upcoming movie stars and um, the possibility for a franchise. No, no, it's a lot of money for us back. No, I'm saying it has to be something like I can, you know, it, it would be, again, it could be like The Matrix came in. The Matrix, they made three movies. Um, you know, it, 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 like, a, you know, it's hard because with the comic book titles, you know, they, you have the, the um, you know, you have the, the, the fan base for, you know, X-Men. We grew up on the, you know, the comic and as well as the cartoon. So it wasn't like you had to re-educate or you have to educate people about what this is, right. you know. Um, so, or, you know, the book properties like Twilight and all that stuff, people might spend money on that because you have some type of, um, of, of fan base that's already set. So you know, in, in the purchasing of it, you're going to get some people in the seats. Um, so for me, if it was, you know, if it wasn't, you know, somebody coming in with a, you know, a comic book property, then it's something like awesome, like you've never seen before. That's a big tentpole. And that, and unfortunately, six million dollars, you it would have to be where you would get all four quadrants. It would have to be a movie that you know that you could get everybody in the theater to see. 
Mm -hmm. Now, we're sort of running short on time. I don't want to take up too much more of your time today. Uh, we have a section called Rapid Fire. It's just a few uh, quick, fun little questions. Um, okay. The first being... I thought it just got me scared. You just got me scared. Rapid Fire. I was driving a blindfold on and smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Not the firing line. It's just a rapid fire. But um, no, okay. it's, it's perfectly harmless and they're semi-nonsensical. So, um, Your favorite Don. Uh, Don Johnson, Don Cheadle, or Don Knotts? Don Knotts. Nice. Um, best true story turned into a film. Aaron Brockovich, Apollo 13, or The Pianist? Aaron Brockovich. Um, and your favorite rock movie, The Rock with Sean Connery and Nick Cage, uh, the classic Rocky, or G.I. Joe Retaliation starring The Rock? Not that one. <laughs> I love that you had to tell me The Rock was the Nick Cage, Sean Connery movie. I know that movie. I love that movie. But it's hard because Rocky, it's Rock. That, this, is what, this is my stumper. Um, I guess I'm going to go with Rocky. The classic Rocky, gotcha. Um, classic Rocky. And uh, yes. do you have any last thoughts or advice for screenwriters out there? Yes, I do. Um, write. I think that you definitely have to write one script that is truly the story that you want to tell. That is not about how am I going to work on the next, you know, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Transformers, but like, the, what is the movie that you want to see that's in you and that's making you be a screenwriter? Why are you doing it? What do you have to say? Um, I think that once you get that screenplay written, that could be the screenplay that you end up, you know, that could be the one that makes you win the Academy Award, you know, Michael Art, Little, Little Miss Sunshine. Um, but definitely write the story that you want to tell as opposed to writing so that you can get that job. You need to have one script that really, really represents your voice and, and, and why you want to be a screenwriter. Mm -hmm. Don't write for the marketplace. Write for yourself. At least one script. I understand right. that you're going to have to, you know, at some point, write for the marketplace, but at least have one thing under your belt that is truly yours, that is truly your, your vision for a, a movie. And it could be the Transformers, but make sure it's really, really your voice. Right. And that's what we hear all the time from agents, man. They're looking for somebody with a voice. And it's, uh, if it really is something you're passionate about, it's much easier for that to come out. I think so. And I, I, to be honest, I've, I've brought writers in that wrote something very character, very much their voice, uh, because I want them to write something that is, you know, I'm considering them because I think their writing is so good, not because their concept is so good. Right. Really great catching up with you, Donya. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It. Awesome. Um, and if you have... Yeah, no, Go ahead. No, I was going to say thanks, but I'm talking too much. So <laughs> thank you for listening. <laughs> um, no, it's awesome to talk to you again. Uh, it's been too long. And if you have questions about the craft or business of writing, you can send us an email to ask at scriptsandscribes.com or send us a tweet to at scriptscribe. There's no and in the middle there, just at scriptscribe. And to all our listeners, thanks for listening. 